Welcome to the Concept 101 podcast. My name is Daniel. Jules. And Stefan. We are three concept artists currently working in the film and games industry, as well as the organizers of the Concept 101 event in London. If this is your first time listening, then our format changes occasionally, but generally the format is that we each bring our own topic to the episode, and then we have a little bit of a discussion about it. Of course, all of them are vaguely art or concept art related. We're not just here talking about what we had for lunch, which was meatballs, by the way. Yeah. Delicious meatballs. Yeah. From Ikea. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Um, but I think Stefan has the first topic for today. So why don't you kick us off, man? Yeah. So the first topic is related to the interviews and then potentially artists that you might face in the industry mm-hmm. um, as your initial kind of getting into the industry and how to handle it and mm-hmm. what was our experience of handling both interviews and um, our tests. So mm-hmm. let's start with uh, you, Jules. How was, what was your experience? Who have you interviewed for? And have you done artists ever? Yeah, so I did uh, one art test for my current job and I also uh, had interviews from previous jobs I did as well. Um, yeah, so I think usually you apply or someone uh, someone puts your name forward that kind of stuff and then they want to talk if they're interested in your work they'll just kind of reach out to you to kind of see if you're um not crazy <laughs> and if you're you're nice to work with or if you're a good person really usually and i guess the interviews i've been doing lasted between 30 minutes to 40 minutes i don't think maybe an hour uh but never more and it was always quite chill Mm. It, it never was it never was too serious it was more like of a friendly chatter trying to figure out as i said before if the person you're talking with is a nice person to work with yeah um so might, this might be linked to the companies i've been at but it was very very chill usually asking questions about uh what's my process uh how long do i usually uh take to the work they also asked me sometimes to talk about my own work and how i did it and um uh, like some sort of portfolio piece, you know, uh, can I explain it? I think generally most um, kind of interviews are really just like a, is this person a psycho test? Yeah. You yeah. know, check how you can get along. Can you take a bit of a joke? Can you take criticism about your work? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I would say, like you said, most interviews are pretty chill. Doesn't mean that you don't get ones that are less chill. I have definitely, I can definitely say that I've had some less chill job oh, interviews. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, where I'm not really sure what the goal of the interview was uh, because I kind of went into it with the uh, advice that we just gave, which was like, yeah, most interviews are very chill. Mm-hmm. But I can say for sure I went to one interview where they went like pretty much straight for my throat. It was very unpleasant. Really? Um, yeah, it was, I, I don't want to say like who it was with or where it was, but it was just like, it was a lot. Um, and I think some people do take it as an opportunity, depending on the style of the person who's interviewing you to really like test your limits a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're not all nice. Mm-hmm. I'd say the majority of them that yeah. I've had have been very pleasant actually, but yeah. It's also a great opportunity for you to see if you want to work with them. Totally. You know? yeah. Like it might be harder to think about this if it's your first job, but once you start switching companies or once you really want to do some kind of specific work in a company, yeah it's as important for you to be in the mindset of are these guys worth it or are these mm-hmm. guys nice to work with? Do they have, like, also it's a great time. Actually, is the time for you to ask questions as well yeah. about, you know, how do they work? What's their process into like, you know, was there a hierarchy in the company? Was the turnover or like, I mean, a work turnover, like deadlines and that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, 
and it's not just about you proving proving them that you're good, but it's also about them proving you that they're good. And that's probably yeah. why some maybe the 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 longer in history, the chiller the interviews get. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I think the more experience I've collected over the years, the more relaxed people have been in interviews with me. Because I think like once you can say like I've worked at this company and I've worked on this movie and this and that you're inherently, that's almost like a proof, right? That mm. you're decent mm. at what you're doing. And so people are generally uh, less aggressive, I would say. I would also, I also think though, it's probably also because there aren't that many professional concept artists at the end of the day around the world. Like actually it is a very niche skill set and it is a very niche community of people. And so there's probably also a part there, like once you're trying to fill a role, like you will see on ArtStation, like a job role goes up for a senior artist and it won't be filled for like over a year. Mm. that's not because that no one's lot, applying yeah. but it's because there aren't enough people who are that yeah. that skill level to actually yeah. fill that job role it's true i mean definitely what daniel was saying about the 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 roles and there's like definitely not that many people that can fill in like the more senior roles i think if you're going for a junior role and applying for that there'll be a lot more competition yeah um but even then if you are like already really good skill level you know, they're not going to be like insane amount of competition, especially if you link it, look into, if you manage to find like companies that are just kind of starting out almost, um, but they still looking for concept artists, they probably get the worst applications. <laughs> they Because they want like, you know, maybe they might even have the budget to pay for someone more expensive, but like no one is interested in them. And that's for sure like what, what you know, what could be your opportunities to find like a new up and coming company and try to like, uh, you know, apply there. Yeah. I, I was just going to say that it's... Um, actually, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I've, it's, I think it's good to say as well that at least with my experience, if you get to the interview, it means that you're almost there. Yeah. But not always. I, had, I have seen that. The I mean, I had three the... interviews in my life and I got two jobs. Mm, fair right. Enough. Yeah. And that's that's it. It's either I didn't get any interview at all or I got like one interview which I rejected and then my two previous interviews, I got the job. So it's like, in my experience, once I managed to get the interview, then it was because they... Yeah, they, they were, were high at that point usually. Yeah, oh yeah, or like they were interested. My um, I guess my art was good enough and it was just like, am I crazy? And uh, I am, but they didn't see it. So <laughs> thank you fuck. You so well. <laughs> I, oh, go on. Sorry, I want to definitely say that I have seen it happen where someone was interviewed for a role. Mm -hmm. It was not a junior role. So I wonder if this is an experience of junior roles, mm -hmm. maybe. When you're like already interviewed for a junior, they'll most likely take you because you're like good enough. Mm -hmm. Maybe not. But I've seen this happen with other roles where they are a bit more rigorous of like trying to find out if this person actually fits the skill level and the role that they want to hire the person for. So they they might uh, ask questions about like their their work process or whatever, mm -hmm. and just sometimes sometimes you sometimes it happen it happens to people that they are interviewed over and over again, and then someone else gets chosen, and no one ever get back to them. Like that yeah. can also happen that you are in an interview, people never get you know someone else chooses someone else, and they you never heard hear back. Mm -hmm. um, and that's I think when when you should like reach out and ask for like 
for feedback. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's good to always, no matter what. Because you would want to know like why you were rejected, but sometimes you don't even get that. People don't tell you, and it's probably not even because you're asshole or anything. It just happened that they found someone else that was better yeah. at the time. Just to add some formality to this discussion, but like, what are your kind of, I guess, like, like explicit experiences? So could you each could we each talk about like one of our experiences actually getting interviewed and what it happened like you know mm -hmm. breakdown by breakdown i think i can talk about my i think your guys ones are pretty positive so i'll throw my negative one to start mm -hmm. off <laughs> it was like an hour's booked interview um and it was it went so badly that within the first like 20 minutes they told me they were done and then i was like oh really and they were like yeah yeah we're finished now and i was like Oh, okay. <laughs> and did you did you get it? Uh, or or that is that, would, that or, or maybe give let's away not talk about which it. company yeah. it yeah. is, or if it's not a company I work for or anything. So you know. Yeah. Uh, but I literally started off with I I went into the interview and they opened up my portfolio on the computer and the AD who was there just went, yeah. So um, obviously your work's pretty good, but. I don't like any of this. And he just started going through all of my work and tearing it to pieces, like right in front of me. We barely said hello at this point. Like, I'm kidding you not, like this was 30 seconds into the interview. Um, so that was a bit of a surprise. I don't know if that was like a stress test to see how I handled it, but I, I kind of felt a little bit like, uh, it felt a bit like a power play to me where they were trying to just like demonstrate like, yeah, we can criticize you kind of thing. Um, so that was, that was a little bit odd. And then, yeah, after a very short amount of time, they were like, so do you want to ask any questions? And I was like, um, don't you usually leave that for the end? And they went, no, this is the end. And I went, oh, <laughs> okay. Um, I will say the interview continued for longer than that because they actually did find more things that they wanted to speak with me about. But it was a very uh, quick and kind of brutal experience compared to other interviews I've had, especially interviews like after I had worked in my first job mm. like every every interview I've had after that point has been also about me selling myself to the company but also the company trying to sell themselves to me yeah, yeah. and showing me like generally like the difference is people now if I have an interview will ask me like what I want to do at the company mm -hmm. and like what would make you want to work here and mm -hmm. here's why we are good to work with whereas I think those first few interviews I had when I didn't have any real work experience and I just had a bit of freelance here and there were like so this is what we expect yeah <laughs> it's a very different frame of reference that it exists in you also worked quite a few freelance jobs before even yeah I did yeah and I'm assuming you would have some interviews in those jobs as well yeah I think often for freelance work the interview process interview. is a little bit chill yeah because like ultimately I did like for example I know we're going to talk about art tests later but mm. I did like art tests for some of the freelance stuff I did where they would just pay me for like two or three days work to see what I could do yeah. and then they would bring me more work afterwards so like one of my clients who I worked with quite a long time was like an advertising and music video agency who did all the VFX for those kind of things. And I worked on a music video for them first. Mm -hmm. um, and then after I had kind of proven, my, proven myself with like two days work on that, because it was a very short project, they contacted me again and again and again. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how those kind of interviews yeah. generally work, I would say. Because also on a freelance contract, they can like fire you straight away if you're not doing it. Yeah, yeah usually so. you, have, you have like a week notice something. Yeah, not even that. They don't have to give you notice on most freelance contracts. Really? They just to say, all right, we're done with you. Goodbye, here's your money. Ciao. Yeah. Ciao, bella. And, <laughs> and so the, the interview you mentioned before, 
so did you have a second interview? Did you have an art test? Um, that was We're, it. Without going just into too much detail. Just, just the, the one. one. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Stefan? Yeah, I got stuff. Um, I only, I had a few, I think like two interviews and I had like, a, I remember having like a quick call with a recruiter as well. And we're talking like experiences, you know, and I, uh, the quick call that I had, um, I remember being like very, feeling like very corporate when I talked to the person and like that was not the job that I wanted at the time. It was a job, it was funny because around the time I was like doing interview, interviews essentially. Uh, and speaking with a bunch of people for different jobs and stuff um, and working a little bit of freelance. So it all was kind of happening all at once. Um, and I had my interview later. That was like my proper interview experience, which was with um, an art director that was very, very nice. And we essentially just, you know, I think it was like first 10 minutes we talked about uh, art and like, you know, introduction to us to each other. And then it, from then it, he like really kind of liked my work and mm. what I was mm. doing and liked me, I guess, it, as a personality. Yeah. And then we just like, after 10 minutes, it was, that's it. We just started to like talk as we knew each other all like for, for years. And it, it, was it is funny nice. how like sometimes in interviews you can say the right thing and the mood changes quite a lot. I remember yeah. mm-hmm. kind of unrelated, but when I was uh, doing my university interviews to get into universities, I went to this university. Uh, I think it was probably, I don't know. It was one of the arts. Uni- it was UAL university, but I can't remember which one. Um, and I went in and I had this interview and I was queuing for like two hours and there was this one guy who was like the head of the course who kept interviewing people and you could see them coming away from the conversation like genuinely distraught. <laughs> um, and so I asked, I, I was like, oh, I, I was speaking to one of the students who was currently there and I was like, I have my interview with a guy called Mike. Who is that? And they went, oh, dude, I'm sorry, you're fucked. And I went, what? <laughs> they went, yeah, Mike's the guy who runs the course and um, it, it, I, I've seen him make people cry for university interviews before. So they're like, just, you know, take whatever he says with a pinch of salt and try your best. And so I went into this. And I was like, well, I'm screwed. Not going to get into this. Um and I sat down and sure enough, this guy was like really fucking mean. Uh, he mm. was very brutal, extremely disinterested in everything I was showing him. And then at some point he saw this piece of work in my portfolio and he went, oh, this is kind of cool. He was like, this um, kind of reminds me of uh, like Mike Mignola. And I went, oh yeah, Hellboy. I, I bought one of his collections recently. And from that moment forward, he was like, oh man, I fucking love Hellboy. And we were like, yeah. And I was like, have you read... Um, deep and he was like oh dude that's a fucking great comic book have you read like this that you know mobius and it was just we just spoke about that for the rest of the interview while he was looking through my work and then as he was looking through my work with the conversation being more positive he was going this is great i mean this is really good work actually (laughs) (laughs) so by the time the interview ended he literally went he said to me he was like i probably shouldn't be telling you this but i'm definitely giving you a priority spot on the course so you know please just come if you want to come and i was like oh yeah cool man (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, and I walked I walked away and the, the guy who I'd spoken to previously he was like hey man how was the chat with Mike you okay and I was like oh yeah he said I, I, I've got a spot and he went that's pretty fucking crazy <laughs> so I was like yeah it's funny how like sometimes when you talk, talk about to people Hellboy. yeah yes, it's, it's, it's like you find that code. common thing yeah. that you, you know both what? enjoy and suddenly it's, all it's, the doors open this is, it's this about is breaking, so true this is what happened in my interview as well yeah. it's, it's about breaking the ice you know you just want to 
to make it so you can connect on something. Yeah, I, I, I was talking uh, to, to, my, uh, to the art director and I said, oh, um, I really like, oh, what's, what's the name of the guy who worked on Star Wars and um, the Alien movies, did some spaceship designs. Mm, I bought art book to Daniel from this guy as well. Uh, Ron Cobb? Ron Cobb, yeah. Ron Cobb. And I was like, oh, yeah, I love Ron Cobb. And he's like, yeah, Ron Cobb, I love Ron Cobb. And then, yeah, and that's just how it goes. Like, yeah, I really enjoyed the old school design. And then, then we just, like, start talking about design and what we like. And pretty much that's it. After that, like, I had a few more interviews. Um, so about another two interviews. Um, and, yeah. And then I essentially... They, they the really rest like, is history. Yeah, the rest I mean, is. this is, like, I guess it's not really a secret because this is for Shark Mob. Uh, <laughs> well, definitely not was, a secret anymore now. <laughs> but, like, yeah. we they we had multiple interviews just to make sure that they kind of, like, that I fit into the team, even though it was a small team at a time mm-hmm. uh, in London. And, um, yeah, they were very nice. And I think we all had shared the same vision of creating really cool shit. Mm-hmm. And even though I was like a beginning junior, I think we kind of, I don't know, they believed in me and I, and I really am happy for that. Um, I'm thankful. That's great, dude. Yeah. yeah it's, I think it's definitely about finding something to connect with the people and almost to become friends. I mean, you cannot yeah. become friend in meeting, but to have some friendly energy. I guess. It's good to like know. Like to like be open, open to them. Like you show you're open to discussion. You're open to listening to stuff. You're, you're open to sharing stuff. You're not... Like, it's good not to be too stressed. It's good to be confident in yourself to an extent, of course. Um, but it's yeah. almost like you want them to start getting excited. So, mm. like, about things that they are talking about to you in some way. So, like, whether it's about art or whatever, if, if you can find that similar topic that mm. you can talk about. And sometimes you need to kind of just be careful, be like... Because, like, some companies might not want you... Mm-hmm. To be like the super most hardworking person ever and like super into everything. Maybe they want you to be kind of like more chill. And that, then maybe if you are not that way, then maybe you shouldn't pretend. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's also just about reading the room yeah, and figuring out that's what the people way want. To say it, yeah. And I had a difficult thing. Yeah. I had an interview that went, I feel like my first interview, I think it went quite well. Mm-hmm. I was talking about my work, they asked me a lot of questions. We had a nice chat, we laughed a lot. Uh, they laughed at me. <laughs> no, no, no. We laughed a lot about subjects and it was quite nice, I think. And, but yeah, you know, like a week after they sent me an email, they, no, they actually called me and yeah. they were very nice. Like, we really like you, but we went with someone else. Yeah. But So that's, sometimes it does go well, but then, you know, someone else is better. better. Yeah, someone else goes better. Um, some of the time, it just, it was an interview that went very well. It was like a half an hour, very speedy interview. And it was like, yeah, you're starting on Monday. Um, so it varies, you know. So and, and some of the time it's like yes. So interview number one goes well. Then interview number two goes well. Then maybe some artist goes well. And so like it really depends. I think the company and the the need for an artist as yeah. well, and the 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 time frame of when to start. I think it's always important sure, to remember yeah. as well to always contact people afterwards yeah. after the interview. I've spoken about before how like initially when I applied to ILM they rejected me and I spent like a week like sulking about it and then my mum told me you should email them just to say thank you for the opportunity and when I eventually emailed them they replied and said oh we thought you just weren't available and I was like I am (laughs) available and then two days later I got a phone call I got the job (laughs) offer so it's like you know if I had never emailed them for the follow-up and I'd just been like a sad sack of shit the whole time I would never have got that job 
Um, so thanks, mom. Uh, listen, listen to your parents. Listen to your mom. Yeah, not your dad. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know what's going on. Um, but yeah, like following up and keeping things open with people and continuing to have conversations even after the point of the interview to keep yourself in the loop and to ask if they can keep you in the loop is very important. Um, again, I mean, the thing with me is a pretty extreme example, I think, mm. but you should always be willing to, you know, don't, don't let a bridge burn or even fall apart. Mm-hmm. Just let, just try and keep the bridges there because the opportunities yeah. can come up in the future anyway. In terms of how to behave, I think it's good to be, if, from my own point of view, yeah. it's good to be professional. <clears throat> it's good to be smiling a lot. Yeah. It's good to be interested, to yeah. be proactive, yeah. but also know when to listen. Yeah. Let, especially if you do have a Zoom, it's sometimes very easy to talk of people. So just yeah. take the time, let people talk, let them finish the sentence, then you answer the questions. And, you know, there's time to have fun, there's time to ask questions, there's time to answer questions. And it's, it's about kind of reading the room and being comfortable and confident, mm-hmm. but... Like you know, you don't want to be like, oh, I'm the best artist. Fuck you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so it's. <laughs> yeah. I think being open, open-minded, is is good. And also, if they reach out to you, that's a big positive. That's yeah. a big positive. So be confident about your skills. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're you're not here for no reason. I think also like try to be interesting. Like there is something to be said for being an extreme passionate artist. And I think especially with the three of us, like a lot of our hobbies are making art beyond the art that we already make mm-hmm. but it's good to when you're in an interview one of the most common questions is like so what other stuff do you do what are your hobbies and it's pretty good idea to have some other things that you're interested in so you don't sound like a massive loser um <laughs> which is a problem i've always struggled with but you, know, you sound like a massive loser every day yeah <laughs> um but it, the problem is you know it's like can you are there other things that you do that are actually interesting whether you realize it or not like I mean, it's not like a big thing, but I like to go walking and go on hikes and stuff like that. And that at least, you know, when I say that, people are like, okay, well, he goes outdoors. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, uh, I, I like to sleep and breathe. Yeah. Uh, I like pizza. Yeah. I like uh, to travel. I like go going museums, to museums. Travel, yeah, traveling, whatever. But I mean, like, literally like anything. You like, like going to the gym? I like, I like, I like uh, uh, sleeping again. <laughs> just, just say the most basic human shit. I like money. <laughs> when, you, when, you, when, you, when you apply for a video game company, be like, I love playing video games. <laughs> this is uh, this is actually... Oh, see, I'm thinking about something else now. How about the thing when you apply for video games? You should probably be aware of their games that they work oh, yeah, on. Yeah, you I was just going to say that. That is very like, always, always do research Prepare on where yourself. you're going. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Know who you're talking to. Like If you're like, oh, you're going to have a meeting with Paula and Jake, then look into Paula and Jake on LinkedIn and like make sure you know who they are. Uh, you, if you know that Paula said Paula and not Polita, or I don't know, <laughs> you know how to say the name. Uh, you know, like... you. Yeah, be... Do your research, do yeah, your homework. Yeah. Because, like, yeah. even if, like, another really common question is, why do you want to join our team? Yeah. And if you can say, like, well, I'm a really big fan of John, Tom, Sarah, Jeannie, and Henry, who all work on the team, then they go, then they're instantly going to go, oh, shit, he knows who works on our team. Mm. Or, you know, and that is a big bonus because you've clearly taken the time and done your research and you care about where you're applying. If you come in and, and they say, what do you think about our team? And they, you, you just go, um... I, I don't know. I saw an art station post once. I don't know. I mean, I just need to work. You know, it's like, of course, there is the, the it, it's an element of showmanship, I would say, really, at the end of the day. Like, no company really expects you to, like, live and breathe the idea of working with them. But yeah, for an hour, you can put on a bit of a show and put in the effort to 
show that you care enough to do that at least. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, that doesn't mean being a fanboy. That means yeah. just being professional enough to show that you're taking this seriously. Yeah. You know? It's like if you if you if you talk to someone or if you respect people usually, you care about what they do. Yeah. And so if you don't care about what a studio is doing when you have an interview with them, then you don't respect them. And they're not gonna respect you back if they don't feel like if they feel like you don't care about them. Yeah. Um we didn't really talk about art tests, yeah. but we've all done them. Um so do you guys have any specific advice? I think my thing is mm. this. Um an art test you're nearly always given a time limit and I personally think you should try and stick to the time limit as much as you can to give the people you're going to work with a realistic yeah. view of what you can do. I mean, I mean, what do you mean by time limit? Well, okay, some because people, like, let's that, say... That, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's obvious, no? <laughs> no, because many people will get a, a art test for a week and then they start working on it three days before. So they've done actually 10 days of work when they're meant to have done seven, right? Like, that's how many people do it. Well, the artist I've got, I just got the brief when I was supposed to start. Yeah, but the the point is like, okay, so at least my understanding, because I've actually, I've seen many of my other friends do mm -hmm. them as well. Very common that people will get the brief before it begins. Oh, really? And they said okay. like, and they'll say like, okay, so can you start this on Monday and send it to us on Thursday? And then you can start early. Mm. Or they say, uh we'd like you to plan out how much time this takes and then you just like cut off a few hours <laughs> mm. so it looks like you did it quicker i mean i i don't think there's anything necessary like i look it's not illegal it's fine like as long as you can get the final output done but i also think it's often a good idea to actually try and do it within the time limits because and to record how long things actually take so mm. you can because I think a lot of companies appreciate the honesty and yeah. the forthrightness of showing like, it takes me two hours to do my 3D, then it takes me a day to do my paint over, da 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 Giving them the process, yeah. the breakdown of how you work. Especially because the people judging your work, they know, most likely. You know, like an art director can tell your portfolio and what you did yeah. and the time you had or like other stuff you, like, you know, if, if you're supposed to do something for like a day and then it looks like a piece of your portfolio you have, which you'd said took you 10 days and obvi <laughs> obviously you, you lied, you know, they, yeah, they yeah. will see it. Um, but yeah, and and yeah, so I think also, but I mean, that's very obvious to me, but yeah, giving, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no, but giving <laughs> stuff on time, you know, yeah. like, so being honest with them, but also like, don't be late at all. Like it better, you better give them a bad at work than be late, you know? Yeah, I agree. I think that's very important. Um, Sticking to the brief, like if they ask you a blue dragon and you make a dragon which, tur which is turquoise and it says like it has to be blue, blue, yeah. then you, I mean, then what? I mean, what? you have a job, you know, like you need to respect client brief, you need to respect, like I think that's more important to respect the brief than yeah. to, to, have, to spend another two hours refining the image, you know, necessarily. I also think it's important to just like with a real brief to make sure you ask them the right questions. If yeah. you're confused about something in that brief, do not be afraid to ask them the specifics of what that should be. Mm -hmm. If it says, we want a kind of blue dragon and you're sitting there going, what does kind of blue mean? Reply to them and say, hi, I just want to clarify with you before I get to work on the brief. What does kind of blue entail? Mm. Do you mean that it's a blue pattern? Do you mean that it's more tinted towards yellow or red? Do you mean that uh, it's a gradation from the head to the tail? What do you mean by this? You know, And just very politely ask them for clarification because that also shows that you're intelligent enough and kind of humble enough 
to know when you might not know something. Yeah, yeah. And I think if you want to ask questions, it's good that you you maybe spend an hour reading through everything, think, start thinking about it. And then if you want to ask questions, ask many of them at the same time because you don't want to send them like five emails over the weekend, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, nice. Any cool. other stuff about... Not really. I mean, I had artists. some artists, but they nothing <laughs> major other than like just... Yeah it gives you time to find out if you want to work for the company as well. Yeah. yeah. Talking about art tests, sometimes when you get a job, you might have to relocate. Hey, <laughs> so Jules, what, what's your, what's your thing about it? Yeah, it's probably unrelated to what I just said, but what's your topic? I think it's about relocation. Oh, that's crazy, yeah, man. crazy, man. I can't believe it. I wonder if I can start about it a little bit. Well, um, let me introduce it and I can ask you a question. <laughs> yeah. He hasn't even said the topic yet, man. Yeah. We just had a segue. Yeah. So we all live in the UK. Shocker. Um, maybe not you listening, but the three of us do. <laughs> um, and I mean, I, I'm not from the UK. Stefan is not from the UK. Um, so the topic and the kind of question is, is it worth or when is it a good practice to relocate? Uh, why why did we choose the UK? Yeah. And why are we still in the UK? <laughs> you know, like, why, why, why am I still here? Good question. Um, uh, so yes, that's the topic. Can I Do start off? Because I actually have the shortest conversation. Yeah, about let's. It. Yeah. So guys, I'm from England. <laughs> um, I never relocated. Yeah, yeah, but I, I guess to start us off, like, there's an obvious reason why I, I've never relocated because no in Europe, London is the center of the film and games industry. Uh, the UK specifically, the vast majority of the jobs that are available are in the UK because mm. it has a really big tech and entertainment sector. So did you say Europe or UK? You just repeated y- Europe. Both. I think you said UK twice. Most of the jobs in Europe, Europe for games and entertainment are in the UK. Cool. Not in like Paris or like Poland? No, definitely not. What are you talking about? Like no, in the, games, the, there's a lot are, of game, there game are, there are There are jobs there, but there's like way more studios in the UK and there's way more film work in the UK as well, especially film work, when you yeah. consider that like Pinewood and the, what's the place near Reading? I don't know. Every, like loads of stuff gets shot in the UK is the point. Well, I think film industry by far UK is pre- almost, if you want to really work in, in like VFX houses or if you want to work on set, for Hollywood type of movies, I think it's pretty much the UK or nothing. Yeah. Or it's freelance Germany from home. has some as well. Yeah, but I mean, okay, you can live in Germany, but then you work from home working freelance, I guess, on movies, you know. But I'm not sure. You, oh, maybe. So, or uh, like for, for Hollywood? Tr- trickster, kind of trickster, yeah. They work yeah, on Captain Marvel. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that there aren't studios yeah, yeah, outside yeah. of England, but if you looked at a map, map. of the density of studios, it's you. the UK would be the most dense area, yeah. right? Yes. I mean, off the top, like, even if you look at the amount of companies that fund our event, the majority of them are based in the UK, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And the majority of people who come to our event are based in the UK, yeah. even though we have people from all over Europe, right? I think finding some exceptions who are not in the UK make it highlight the fact that most of the others are in the UK, you know? Um, but yeah, for video games, I think you can find loads of stuff in France, that's true. Uh, in Germany as well. France has, France is quite developed for video games. Yeah, but still yeah. not as much as here. Like even, I mean, what the main studio in France that I'm aware of is Ubisoft, right? Uh, yeah, and there's also um, oh, the Bethesda. Um, yeah. Yeah. The people who did Dishonored. Yeah, there's, there's loads of them. Yeah. There's, there's, there's like probably 40 studios in France. UK doesn't have like a massive scene for that many 
triple A title. They have triple A titles, but like I mean, I guess that's a question of like what is triple A. But like when you think about trip the the like latest triple A video games, you don't necessarily think about UK studios that much. Uh, you would still be thinking about US, but I guess in Europe no, or like in no, Europe, dude. like in Europe, you have for example, like in Poland, you have. Um, City Project. City Project and the guys who did Dying Light, that, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Haze? No. Okay. Anyway, those guys. So, yeah, this France was the EU... Co- so, here's Google from 2021. France was the EU country with the highest number of game development studios in 2021, having 1,147 such businesses. Then, this doesn't really make much sense, but among non-EU countries in Europe, the United Kingdom led with 1,528 video game mm-hmm. studios. So, I'm right. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, France is not that far. No, it's I not. I think also uh, France has so many good artists in France, man. Of it's such a yeah, massive yeah, yeah. scene of, of companies and studios. But um, the overall France, density of stuff yeah, in the UK yeah, yeah. is high, especially for films. Especially London, I'd say. Yeah. Like, more than anything, like, because most of the UK stuff we're talking about, maybe all, not all of it, but most of it is within an hour of train from London. So in terms of my relocation, all I did was relocate to London from Oxford, which mm-hmm. was, that was only an hour trip. It was fine. Um, so that's that's me done for this that's, conversation. I'm clocking out. See you later. That's the, ad- the adventure of Daniel. Was it a, a bus ride to, <laughs> to London? Train ride. Um, what is your adventure, Jules? Well... I moved in the, so coming from Switzerland, moved in the UK to stay here. And it's because there wasn't any university that was specialized in what I wanted to do in, in Switzerland. So there was some in France, but the best ratings at the time were in the UK. So that's why I went to the UK. And then London was a bit obvious as well, because I was like, I didn't have a job when I moved in London, but I was like, that's the in between, that's the middle ground to everything else really uh, in the UK. And the UK being like the area where I can, there's the most chance of me finding a job not too far from where I'm going to live. Um, and yeah, and especially, especially in the movie industry, I think, I, I mean, how many VFX houses there in, in Europe? Like Not that many. Yeah, I think 10? Yeah. 10 uh, big enough to have another department, maybe I'm, even less. Yeah, and many of those even have central hubs yeah, in London. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And like even VFX house that's, have an art department very 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 few and and so it's either going to canada or us or uk or being famous enough to be freelance working from home uh having lots of contacts which i'm not you know so uh, especially not when you start uh, your career so that's why to me uh being here made sense and now it makes even more sense because now there's like a few companies I could work at. There's my company is here as well. It's just uh, the most clever, I'd say, or the most logical place to be to pursue a career in the movie industry. Um, yeah, in Europe, you know, I probably better to go to LA. Maybe not, but then I don't want to go to LA. You know, it's like I was, yeah, I was gonna families to not too far from the UK, and it just makes sense. I was just gonna say that if you are thinking of relocating because like there's more opportunities. Um, I mean, what Jules did was quite uh, an interesting move to move to an incredibly expensive city without having a job here. Mm. Um, I got a job here and then I moved here, you know? Yeah. Um, and maybe that's going to be your experience. But 
if you are gonna if you are gonna do it if you're gonna move to like a central hub like here and you're gonna spend your saved up money to to like move to london then have a plan of like networking you know maybe go to some conferences or something where you when you are like guaranteeing yourself a higher chance of like success when you are in a big city like this because it has a lot of networking opportunities i would say like i haven't been in other countries but like the one great thing about uk is that most most people learn how to speak english and if you speak english you know you can be here and people are very friendly no matter like where you come from and they will network with you mm -hmm. compared to like i mean if i went to france no matter how many video game companies there i don't speak french and you know i doubt that it would be as easy for me to get around rather than here in uk um so yeah if you are gonna you know do the thing of like relocating mm -hmm. uh to cities such as london you know yeah it's true it's true i i, I did move here because of a reason as well i can't I wasn't like, oh, I'm just going to move here and, and pay an insane London rent for no reason. It, it didn't make sense at the time. And turns out it was a good move for me. Um, but yeah, so what about you, Steph? Because you moved to a few countries, right? Yes. For I have jobs. Kind of. So, I mean, I studied here in UK and then I moved to Germany and I was actually doing some... I got to Germany and I did some freelance in Germany uh, that I kind of like got in Germany, but I was... So I met someone um over like a coffee we mm -hmm. just had a coffee and this guy was like a producer and he was doing this little like movie so i did some concepts for him um and then of around that time i got my job at shark mob so i was kind of like gonna continue on that project but i got my job at shark mob and i was like very happy to mm -hmm. finally have a full-time job rather than like thinking about freelance and stuff and so then i got to move back to london and at the time, for example, um, it was just around uh, UK exiting European Union. Mm -hmm. So I had my pre-settled status. And that was, for example, one of the reasons why I got the opportunity to have this job, essentially. Mm -hmm. Because at the time, a lot of companies were still in this transitional period where like no one knew how are you going to be like getting visas to people and all this other stuff. So they, so like, there were a period when it was better to hire someone who like either already has ability to like work in UK. You know, I mean, even now, visa or something. But I mean, yeah, the I'm, UK I'm is it, yeah. so hard to get into. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna get to it. So like, for example, if you are applying to a smaller job, a mm -hmm. uh, smaller company, it might be more difficult for them to actually get you a visa. But I can guarantee you, if it's like any bigger company, you know, probably above 400 employees. Rockstar, Ubisoft, any of these companies, they'll get you visa no matter what. Even like at SharkMob, we, you know, we get visas to people who are uh, not even a senior, like less than senior level. I mean, again, depends on like how difficult and how much we need this person or whatever. But like, um, you know, we have relocated people from like quite difficult countries to relocate. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it takes months to get visa to someone to relocate them. But Again, if it's a bigger company, they will do it for you. Yeah. Uh, because they, you know, that's because they want you as well. As yeah. Way. Yeah. Not, not, to, I mean, I think if the company is, I don't think every company will do it, especially I think the UK is quite hard. But Any, I think hopefully some companies willing to established. get. Yeah. I think anything that's a big established company. Yeah. I've, I've heard about some companies not just not oh, really? being okay. able to, they want people, but they just can't hmm, because it's, it's so too hard. Or maybe it's because they're too small. I don't know. But it, it mm. varies the company uh, and the budget they have, or maybe the hiring budget, the relocating budget. I, I will say there is 
um <laughs> at least from what i've seen like some minor trickery going on with some of that stuff like ultimately it's not that expensive for a company to get somebody a visa but it's just like whether they want to invest the time in the person that's really what yeah, it is yeah, yeah. yeah it's not even that much paperwork at the end of the day you know it's like I think that's the unfortunate thing is like it would be nice if companies just put in a little bit more effort to help people get their visas because obviously yeah. that is the main way especially in the UK like well, yeah immigration here is pretty strict and it's um, a business they want to make profit yeah and I know but helping you is not going to make money to them <laughs> a boy can sadly. dream yeah um, um, so how what so just out of interest as well because both of you obviously relocated here what things helped you relocate here specifically like getting through that process I mean it was very easy for me because it was through university, right? So it wasn't too, I mean, we already had English that I learned back home. And then it was a very easy transition from university. I mean, it was a bit of a shocker, you know, to discover a new culture. Uh, you know, the English you learn at school is not the same English people speak. <laughs> All the slang, I was like, I was a bit lost at the start. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, other than the just being by myself and having to figure out how to be an adult, you know, the relocation wasn't too hard, I think. And and after finishing uni, moving to London didn't feel like anything special. I mean, it was London, so it was impressive, you know, because London is mm. such a good city and big city. But I never really felt like I relocated for a specific job. I guess I relocated for a career, potentially. We might say, I can put it like this. Um but because it was free university, it made it very easy and kind of smooth because, you know, it takes three years to complete university. Each year it becomes harder and harder. You you have a lot of friends you can meet when you arrive, you know, because I assume that just imagine you just get hired by a company and you, you go in a country and then you're like, oh, OK, I need to meet friends now. Like, how do I do that? You know, like university definitely helps uh, fit for you to fit in and almost to develop yourself with mm with time in a so new country I, I guess ultimately part of that is like if you really really wanted to move to the UK a university course is a good way to get in <laughs> pretty much right yeah especially yeah. now with I mean now I think UK is very hard to get in uh, I'm very thankful that I got in early enough uh, because thanks thanks to the studies I've made here I'm able to and also getting a job afterwards I'm allowed to stay here you know but yeah. I mean many people now they I don't it's very hard to get in the UK now I think for um, for someone who doesn't have yeah. a job, um, and even university is not cheap here either. So, it's cheaper than US for sure, and it's yeah. still it's still. But the US is not a good example of cheap for yeah. course but, education. I mean, I, like I guess mo most countries in Europe are way cheaper than the UK in terms of yeah, education. True. Way, 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 way cheaper. Yeah. Um, I've got a question for you. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> how, for what reason would you be willing to relocate? Let's say in the US. A lot of money. Or in Canada. Like <laughs> what would be what would drive I mean either both like both of you career wise to relocate to another country after without being a junior, you know? Um I guess probably financial stuff is an obvious choice, right? Like mm -hmm. if somebody offers you just a crazy amount of money and you have to move to get that job. Mm -hmm. If there's enough money, it's difficult to say no because you can always go and do that job for a few years and then go wherever you want to afterwards. Um, I do think like for me, um, although I'm sure, you know, everybody has their problems with their own culture and the country they grew up in and stuff like I do generally, uh, I like living in London. I like the UK. I, I think that as countries go, it's, it's not perfect, but 
it's all right. And I think that's more than can be said for a lot of places around the world, um, especially, yeah, I don't know, when it comes to the kind of overall sentiments of places. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, at least in London, I love the 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 kind of variety of people I get to meet. And yeah. it's, uh, I guess the word is, it feels quite progressive here in London specifically. I think it would be so hard after being in, there's so many things to in London, you yeah. can be anyone you want to be. Yeah. There's always like-minded people. Yeah. And there's always and people are very open to anything. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it would be a shock in in the future to move anywhere. Like I think anywhere else it's easy place to fit in. Would, yeah. 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 Uh, you can find your people here yeah. for sure. Yeah. It's a great city to live in besides it's the amazing. cost of everything. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know like I, I do really like it here and I'm also near my family, which is a big advantage, but mm-hmm. it, I, I'm not against like moving to another country for a job. But I think it would have to be for either a really good gig I remember really to- good money. You told me before that you were thinking that you thought it would be fun to like relocate to. I, I thought I, I, it would be fun. Yeah, I, I'm not against the idea of relocating. I, I do think I've been very lucky and I've got to visit many countries all over the world. And I do feel like this is a pretty good country to kind of actually live in mm. at the end of the day. Like, I mean, there's many advantages to living here. It, it is true that if you guys have the opportunity to uh, go study somewhere else than where you're born or, or go work at yeah. somewhere else, yeah. I think it's very good as a human development or as yeah, an totally. op- eye-opening experience to just experience well, other... I moved a few hours away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, I have had the experience to live in different countries. Yeah. I lived in Russia. I lived in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. I lived in Slovakia. I lived in Germany. And I lived here in UK as well. Yeah. Yeah. And when I say lived, I mean more than six months. Well, in Germany, it was six months, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also really enjoy living mm-hmm. here in UK. I think it's, I think London is a great place. Um, back then when I relocated, it was uh, it was pretty okay to relocate here. Except I know there's only like one caveat when I relocate to London is to make sure that you get accommodation like <laughs> yeah. as soon as you can and like be very rigorous with finding a good I, a good accommodation with good price it's like very yeah. very that's like tougher than any other city that is, is you know around i understand why people hate london as well just to say that like I, there are many many people i'm pretty sure pablo carpio and domingos literally have a youtube video where they talk about how much they hate london in spanish <laughs> so i mean there you go like there's two people who lived in london for quite a long time and talking about how much they dislike it but i mean like for me, it works. Um, and yeah, I'd love to go and experience some other cultures and like actually go and live somewhere else. But I think I would need the right incentive to do it. I'm not just, uh, I mean, I, I'm i fine just going on holidays to places. I don't really feel like I need to go live somewhere for six months or a year just because necessarily. Mm-hmm. It could be nice. Sorry, yeah, go for it. I was going to say, I would be... I would be down to relocate, you know? Yeah. But I agree with Dan. It has to be. I mean, not really right now because I'm quite happy on the project that I'm working on and all this stuff. And, you know, I, I, I don't even think that... I mean, I don't even know what financial amount it'd have to... I mean, surely there would be a financial amount that would be agreed on to, but it'd have to be a lot, 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 lot money. Or great projects. Or maybe, a, I mean, a, lot, or maybe a country or a place you really want it to be or to go yeah, for a long time, yeah. you know? Um, uh, but it is interesting, yeah. definitely, to move around and. Yeah. Also, I think if you really want to get this experience, it might be clever to do it early in your career. Yeah, because, with your best responsibilities. Yeah, you know, if you get a family later, I mean, we're, we're still young here, but you know, <laughs> if, if you get a family later on, 
or over obligations or you need to be close to your families for whatever reason you know like enjoy now that you're free and flying around <laughs> yeah i don't know for me it just never never really i think because i've just got to visit a lot of places mm. across my life i also i do find uh many people who talk you know they're like i want to move to this country often when someone's super hyped to move somewhere they have a very rose tinted fucking view of what that place is like yeah and or i like to japan <laughs> oh, no. i don't know i i like to have um wh- whenever i go somewhere or read about somewhere like i like to learn about the country as a whole not just about yeah. like the positive aspects and i think the thing is like everywhere has its positive and negatives which makes it very hard for me to say like oh i really would love to go to this place because i feel like to think that you must think it's fucking heaven and earth yeah. do you know what i mean whereas yeah. to me every country like obviously there's better and worse places to live but the uk is one of the better places so i'd need to be going somewhere where i feel similarly positive about living there you know also everyone has different priorities you know if someone yeah. cannot stand below to, like temperatures below 20 degrees yeah you know you're gonna hate the uk you know? yeah. <laughs> if, if someone cannot stand sun well you're gonna hate spain <laughs> you know so it's like a lot of you know it's not all about work it's about uh, also where your family is or whatever you want yeah. loads of stuff um I just follow Jules around. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just yeah. going to live where he lives. I fall, yeah. I fall down. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice. Like a little, Jules just follows it's like, a little, it's like a little train. Yeah. <laughs> we walk around. Um, um, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, it's it's an interesting topic for sure because there's many like different nuances to it. But yeah, if you're asking me what it would take to move, it would be lots of money or a really good project. Yeah. I think- and probably a mix of both is the honest answer. Uh, to really get me going somewhere, yeah. especially with freelance. How now. about how about like a I think one so year relocation? Right, that sounds oh, more yeah, yeah, reasonable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when you go and work yeah. on a movie or yeah, somewhere. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, year, if you, you know? move everything, then everything. don't you want to get I comfortable somewhere else? See, that's the thing is like yeah. I think realistically, what Stefan's saying, the one year relocation is what I would do, and then I would come back here yeah, but, to see if I really wanted to move over. Yeah, there. but see, that's the difference. Yeah. You can leave the UK and have all your stuff here. Still. True, true, true. We, if Stefan and myself we leave the UK. We, like we don't have anyone we can leave our stuff no, I mean, to you could pay we don't have yeah and you could you could yeah. uh you could pay for uh what is it called One of storage, those yeah. storage yeah. and they are like not insanely expensive yeah. you could you could afford it yeah. for sure for a year mm-hmm. and you have your stuff there yeah. Yeah. how about you pay for the rent and i live in your flat <laughs> <laughs> double rent great deal oh. i have a deal for you you pay i, I live, live. <laughs> <laughs> you pay i get <laughs> Um, that's that's perfect yeah but really, i don't we've been talking about this for a long time should we round off with the final subject matter yeah was that me yeah oh man i forgot it shit it's about how to don't wait don't don't i want to surprise myself when i look at my note um have you this is no, so wait, professional have you, have you ever thought about how you uh deal with your time <laughs> <laughs> what a good time to ask that is it ah that is a good time <laughs> to ask it as we as we have 10 minutes left of the podcast yes. um well you know sometimes you run out of time <laughs> like now <laughs> so you need to have a better time management. management yeah time management is a really i guess uninteresting but important part of nearly every job but specifically concept art i think especially you know, we all work on quite a lot of personal stuff. And I think it's a fairly common question that we get asked, like, how do you do the event and your job and help people with their work and do personal work at the same time? And the answer is really boring. It's just like, yeah, time management. Mm. Um, do you guys have any like techniques that you use to actually manage your time effectively? Uh, I try and I fail and I adjust and I fail and I adjust and I fail. <laughs> and 
after many failure, it's fine. <laughs> do, <laughs> do you, wow. Do you have not be vaguer. Thank you. I, do you have uh, Do you have any special apps that you use or any special oh, really? time? That, I'm just asking you. I don't. No, uh, I just you know, all these like. I just take a lot of notes. Yeah. And I think about what I have to do, and I'm very cautious about not taking too much time or losing too much. It's almost like, a, are you do your time management like day by day, essentially? No, I, I, I never have like strict plans, but it's more okay. like, it's like, oh, so, okay, I've got to do my work. So I just work. And then I'm like, I have yeah. meeting, I'm meeting the guys. I mean, you, you two for the event. And so I need to do this, this and this. So I'm going to do it. Yeah. And then once done, well, great. I can do other stuff. I try to prioritize the most important things. And then, uh, which is why often the, mo- the, the most fun stuff, hmm. uh, Sometimes I have to cancel them because, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. like I, like video games, I've, I've definitely been playing less video games lately because I just yeah same don't take the, it's not that I don't have, but I don't take the time for it. I think it's not about not having the time, but it's about not taking the time for things. It's kind of like when you, it's it's almost like that thing, like you say yes to playing video games means you're saying no to personal work or saying yes yeah, to personal yeah, work, you're yeah. saying no to video games, you know, and that kind of, it's kind of these kind of decisions you... You say, "Oh, I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna say yes to playing uh, extra one hour of ping pong at work," <laughs> and that means saying uh, no. Your to- daily struggle. <laughs> yeah, that means saying no to going home on time. You know. Yeah. yeah. I, I think one of the really important things is um, making sure that not only when you say you're going to do something that you do it, but mm-hmm. also just not. I mean, there's the general sense of procrastinating, right? Where people are like oh okay I don't want to do this I'm going to watch a show a Netflix show or whatever but I think there's also the like almost moment to moment procrastination that is quite important to get a hold of and to get a grip of Uh, I think that's what really screws it up for me sometimes when I'm very busy is it's like okay I have to do this but I'm just going to go get a glass of water quickly and I'm going to sit down I sit down with a glass of water I'm like I could do with a biscuit and go back downstairs get a biscuit and I'm like hmm kind of need a shit <laughs> go do that. and suddenly three hours have passed yeah. i've done like many random little things but i haven't done the one thing i was meant to do um and i really think there's something to be said for uh just building up the mental fortitude to sit down and do the thing that you're meant to do you know to sit there and i think it's something that comes a little bit easier once you've started working because you have to do it as part of a job mm-hmm. but to really be able to say to yourself like all right i've got five things to do today they're going to take seven hours overall. This first thing is going to take two hours and that's the priority. And now I'm going to do it. And the second you've said mentally, I'm going to do it, yeah. you're actually doing it yeah. rather than delaying and delaying and delaying. It's good to, I think with time, you get to know yourself and you get to know when you need to rest as well. Mm. And it's important to be also honest with, honest with yourself, you know? Like sometimes I'm like, oh, I really want to do this now. But I'm like, no. No, I, I'm not. I'm going <laughs> to lay in bed, watch YouTube for a while, and then I'm going to do it. Or sometimes I'm like, oh, I just came back from uh, being outside and I know I have got to do some work for the event. Yeah. I'm like, I really want to lay now. But I know from previous experience that if I lay now, I'm never going to do my work. So I'm like, <laughs> I need to force myself now because I know how I function to sit and do the work now. And in 10 minutes, I'll be into it. I'll be good. I'll be able to do it. And I'll be able to take the, the resting hours in one hour when I finish my work. Absolutely. Uh, but this came after I failed a few times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I agree. Like knowing yourself is definitely yeah. a good way um, kind of to find out like what, what works for you. Um, I have found that for me is the best to have almost like time management slots kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would 
for me, my, my work happens either go in the morning to the gym or I do personal work. And I have separate days when I know when I'm doing this. So like Monday, um, let's say I go to the gym. Tuesday, personal work in the morning. Uh, Monday evening, I meal prep. Then Tuesday evening, I do personal work. Uh, Wednesday morning, I go to the gym again. Wednesday evening, personal you work. You are very, very tight planning yeah, on your well, stuff. Yeah. And I, I think uh, not to, it, it kind of depends what works for different people. But I do think as well, it's important to maybe have some flexibility in what you do yeah. too. Um, I remember like, you can tell me if we can't talk about this, but like a few months back, we got a really busy with the event and we ended up coming home from something and, and you were like, dude, this is fucked my timetable. Now I can't go shopping and then on Monday I'm going to have to do this. And I was like, we were at that for an extra hour, but you you were like yeah. quite stressed out actually about mm. the yeah. fact that it didn't work out exactly. But you're way better at that now. I actually. am, yeah. And I think, to be honest, that moment and like when we were doing this event, that really helped me to kind of like <laughs> be like, okay, well, you know, schedule will get fucked sometimes yeah, like, and you really get flexible. And like I've I have actually implemented certain like things that allow me to be more flexible. Even like with my food, I do buy uh, ready meals that I used to shit on. <laughs> Sometimes I have them at home. You should really shit in the toilet, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I say shit on, I meant like. I used to be like, oh, they're so unhealthy and stuff. But sometimes it's good to just like be prepared for that kind of stuff and have uh, some food uh, available, but also uh, be ready to kind of change your schedule around. But in general, it does help me to just have yeah. time periods of blocks that when I know that I can be doing things. And I don't always have to do it. I don't want it to sit down, but I know that there is this, that I've created this time through my time management that I can now sit down and do it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and usually I would sit down and do it. I might not do two hours, but I'll I'll sit down and do that one hour and that's good enough. I think it's a really, that's, that's pretty on point is like doing some of it at least is, is really important, yeah. especially when it comes down to personal work. A lot of people who ask me about like, how do you do this much personal work? Da, da, da. It's like, well, I make sure that I do some of it at least every yeah. day, right? It's hard to start. Yeah. The hardest part is starting something. Once you're on it, then you're like, yeah, I might just continue, you know? I mean, Alex Heath told me, he was like, I was like, oh, how do you personal work? He said, man, 30, 30 minutes, if I can get 30 minutes. 30 minutes sounds like nothing, and like it really is not that much, but 30 minutes is better than nothing. Yeah, you it's know? funny because if I do, so for personal work, I work totally differently. If I do personal work, I'm like, today, I'm going to do personal work all day. <laughs> so oh, yeah, so it's like, for me, it's like in the weekend or after work, but I'll never do half an hour because I feel like in half an hour, I can be efficient. Mm. Uh, so I, if I just have half an hour, I'm going to be like, I'm going to do something like I mean, half an hour is an extreme example cooking. of not like very little, but yeah. an hour, I think it's definitely enough. I, I, to, I think to I mainly stuff. work in like hour intervals, really. Yeah. I, I, but it's just, I make sure I find lots of opportunities to do them. Yeah. And I think the thing is like, even a half an hour can be effective if you've already planned before you've, let's say that I have to do like 3D modeling for something for a personal project. If I've already planned what I need to 3D model because I wrote down notes from the last time I finished then there's no warm-up time you know it's yeah. just like i read the notes i'm like okay that's what i have to do and i do it oh, that's and funny that's how i yeah. get my projects done pretty fast so even with like a photoshop painting like one of the ones i did recently of like the may queen girl going you know the like very bright colorful one um the way i do that is like because I, I try to push my painting a lot a lot these days and so i will work on it for an hour i write I sit in front of it for five minutes after I've worked on it for an hour. I on and off between what I just did and what I had before. 
and then I redline everything in the image that I think mm. is wrong. I close it, I take a break from it, and then I come back to it another hour, even like yeah. 30 minutes later, if I just like chill and do something else for a little bit, or I go and cook some food, or I go for a walk. I come back, and then when I come back to it, not only will my eyes be adjusted, but I don't have the stress of having to remember what I thought was wrong with it before, because I already did that work when I was in the mood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think it's a really effective way to, uh, yeah, not have that warm-up period. You're mm-hmm. always kind of just like able to jump right into the deep end and just get on with it. Yeah, I think... The reason why I like to, so I totally get that, you know, and I, I, I also sometimes do it this way, especially like th- I think taking short breaks is very good. Yeah. But I find that if I work for many hours on a project, I really go on the on the cruise mode, where I'm gonna be super efficient on it. And it's like there's like so maybe one hour after I start, or maybe half an hour after I start, and then it's like for three four hours I can just be hyper focused. Like going very very fast. I don't I feel like I can. Fast. I don't feel like I can make good work when I hyper focus. Like I do hyperfocus, but I hyperfocus mm. intermittently because I need the time to think about what I'm doing in between. If I go on like cruise mode, I find that, the, um, and you know, you make wonderful work, so I'm sure it's not the case for you. But for me, it ends up as cruise mode quality. Mm. Ah, like okay. I, I need to actively be thinking about the choices so, that I'm making. Yeah, I'm, mm. what, what I mean by cruise mode is not that I'm not, I'm not thinking. It's just that I'm, it's more hyperfocus. Yeah, I, I find that mode. when I hyperfocus, I is like best for like, if I've already done the design and I just need to model it or like these like nothing tasks, kind of like like just technical monkey tasks pretty yeah, much. Yeah. But if I'm designing something and it's like I've done like six hours of a 3D design, let's mm-hmm. say, and I'm trying to push it to the next level, hyper-focusing for another few hours is not going to work. Like I have to come into it with fresh eyes multiple yeah, times yeah, over the next yeah. few hours, redline it, really actively think about it and not work on it, just think about it. Yeah, much. I can see that, yeah. Yeah, that's just mm-hmm. how I work, mm-hmm. so. I really like the red line idea as well. Um, maybe I'll start implementing that. Actually, I I do red line. Great movie. Yeah. <laughs> red line. Yeah. I, I do I do red line my images as well, but usually at the end of my workday, and maybe it would be useful to do it more throughout the day as well when I take like little breaks, um, just to know the direction. Um, I think it, it definitely helps. I found like even with personal work, mm. I am a bit more faster now. Even like almost feels like I'm. I, I think probably time-wise I'm more efficient in personal work than than actual work mm. because I, I need those times in between where I can just like adjust my approach to the painting and sometimes it's like one day break, you know, whereas at work, you know, you get to hour four of your work and you still have another four hours to go, but now you need to take a break to adjust to do the painting mm. and like essentially no matter what, you need to take like an hour break because you need to adjust. Lunch to break are great. Thank I, you love, I love lunch break because yeah. you can eat and you can be happy and then you go back and you see how shit your painting is. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All um, right. Well, any any kind of final closing remarks on this? Uh, I, th- I think time management is it's just it takes time. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for that gem. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know it's, and I think everyone is. I feel like it's so fucking cheesy and I say it every time, but it is true. Everyone is different and everyone has a different working brain in a way. Yeah. And what works for us might not work for you. Uh, uh, but if find it does, good. Yeah, find your way. Try it out. Try yeah, it. Try we it all out. have yeah. like slightly different approaches. Yeah. Try them out and see what works for you. Um, and yeah, just make the effort to experiment with your own personal uh, and if it time works, management schedule. Yeah. And whatever works for you, then do it. Like no need to change if it works. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. 
Well, that'll be the end for today's episode. We really hope you enjoyed listening. And if you want more, please feel free to subscribe and ring the notification bell. We release episodes every two weeks. And if you want any more additional information about the podcast or the event, be sure to check out our Instagram linked in the description below. Thanks again. And we'll see you guys soon. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Bye.